2 Corinthians 5, preaching a special message, a July 4th message entitled, God Bless America. Would you say it with me? God Bless America. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, find verse 14, and we do have some notes that are coming around, and you can fill those in as we move along in the message, and uh, feel free to preach it to somebody else later this week. All right. For the love of Christ compels us. You all there? 1 Corinthians 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their transgress, trans, pardon me, not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Gracious Heavenly Father, we ask that you would move in power in the moments that remain in this service. Release all that's in your heart. Give us living understanding and revelation. Take a coal from your altar and place it upon my lips that as I preach it would burn faith in the hearts of all that hear this message. Those that are online, those that are listening by podcast, and those gathered together here in this assembly. Holy Spirit, come. Move, stir, touch, that we might never be the same. Not a lecture that has no power, but a download, a release of your truth from your word that changes us to be more like you, that even changes our nation. In the precious name that's above every other name, and all of God's beloved said, Amen. You may be seated. Those of you that know American history... Know of a man by the name of Marquise de Lafayette. He's a Frenchman, come from a long line, long heritage of French officers and warriors. And he was asked, what was the secret of America's greatness? He was an officer in the Revolutionary War. But his response was, the secret to America's greatness was the churches. The churches. He said, he said another, another quote by Marquis de Lafayette, quote, if the liberties of the American people are ever destroyed, they will fall by the hands of the clergy. Wow. You see, in his understanding was that America was made great because of the church. And that if America ever lost its greatness, it would be because the church has lost 
its position and place. And then he, he said, basically, it would be the clergy's fault. Prior to the Revolutionary War, and again, we celebrate America's birthday on Wednesday. The Revolutionary War was a war like not any other. And the reason is because thousands and thousands of people came to faith in America prior to the American Revolution. It was called the Great Awakening, the First Great Awakening. And at the turn of the century, the 1900s, there was a second Great Awakening. And there are some that say that there's a third, but I believe that really we need a third one. Men like Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, labored along with so many others, preaching the gospel all throughout New England. It is said that the church in New England had 50,000 people added to the church during that period in the 1740s. A man by the name of Joseph Tracy, a minister and a historian, a preacher, wrote a book called The Great Awakening. And he saw the first Great Awakening as a precursor to the American Revolution. That the evangelical movement of the 1740s played a key role, and he quotes, in the development of democratic thought. As well as the belief that a free press and the belief that information should be shared completely unbiased. These concepts ushered a period in called the American Revolution and helped create demand for religious freedom. Very different than what happened in the French Revolution. Shortly thereafter, the American Revolution. The French Revolution was based on reason. How many of you know that's flawed simply because what you might think is logical or true and correct might not be what somebody else thinks? The American, the American Revolution was based on what you're holding in your hand. Very different kind of war. A very different kind of country. But the bedrock of this country was founded on the Word of God. We've come a po- we're in a post-Christian era now. Some people call America a Christian nation, but really we've fallen. The greatness of America has come because God is the great one, and He's the one that really established this nation through, through His people. But we've thrown God out of our schools and tried to erase Him from our laws. America's in great peril. You know that, right? Back during the time of the colonists, they so highly valued their personal faith in Christ and saw the Bible as truth by which to live their lives and to form a government. Let me read this statement by a young man, Ryan Messamore. That's M-E-S-S-M-O-R-E. It's a young man. He's alive today. He writes this. The United States is a nation of communities... And the moral authority of families and churches is key to its greatness. It is no different today than it was back when, the, when our nation was formed. It is absolutely essential that the land be filled with a vital church. I talked about Europe earlier on in our service today. Europe is filled with buildings and cathedrals that are no more than mausoleums. And the, the irony of the strange thing about those buildings are they are so massive and so huge. It, it's just, it's, it's amazing. Yet inside them, many of them only hold a few hundred people or thousand people. I mean, our building's a shack compared to, I'm thankful for our building, but you compare it to those cathedrals, shack. 
My wife was born in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Does anyone know where Portsmouth, New Hampshire is? We went back at a family reunion a number of years ago. In fact, it was um, just before 9-11. Traveled through the very same airport that uh, those hijackers came through there in Boston. And We were in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I went to go get a Starbucks, which is always in the will of God. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. I'm, I'm, I'm teasing, but we are Starbucks fans, not of their... They do some things that are not right, of course, but we sure endured their coffee. And uh, we haven't boycotted them yet. At any rate, we were at Starbucks. And um, I sat down uh, with my wife. And as I was drinking my uh, four-shot Americano with a little bit of heated half and half, some sugar, <laughs> extra hot, I was looked across the, the road at this beautiful church building. And I'm, I'm talking beautiful. To me, beautiful. I was raised on the East Coast. And I love the architecture of the East Coast. All of it. I love salt boxes and all the, all the, the um, tradition of all of that. And just the simple lines of the architecture of the, our early nation. And I was looking at this large church. I think it was a Presbyterian church, but I don't recall. And it had these bronze doors on the front. I'm talking a massive church in the middle of town. You know, the church used to be in the middle of town, right? Okay, now you have Costco and banks. The enemy has is, is pushed the church out. And now the center of the community is, is, is materialism and, and money. You know that. Okay, it's not an accident. So I'm looking at this church drinking my, my coffee. And I see these bronze doors. I'm talking massive doors. You know, the kind that are 20 feet high. And you probably need four guys to open it. And it's got, you know, all kinds of artwork on these bronze doors. And there's probably six of them across the front. It was a, it was a big, big church built in a traditional style. And as I'm looking at the church, I start realizing, well, for one thing, the doors are all closed. But then I begin to see all that's taking place on the steps of the church. There are drug deals going down in the middle of the middle of daytime. There are there are teenagers that are carousing and different things that are happening. Another couple that was doing what they shouldn't be doing up behind the bush and just a lot of a lot of a cross section of what's taking place in our culture. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, son, what you're looking at is what my church is in America. I sat there and I wept. And I said, we will never shut our doors like that. We will never do that. God is raising up a great church in America yet again. I believe that America is in great trouble because the church fell asleep in the arms of the enemy, fell asleep at the wheel. But it's time to wake up. It reminds me of Samson. How many of you know the story of Samson? You're like, Samson? How could that remind you of Samson? How many of you know the story of Samson and Delilah? Samson had the power of God, had a covenant with God. I should say, had a covenant with God as a result of that, had power from God. And was one of the judges. And you can read his story in the Old Testament there in the book of Judges. But he was so drawn by the sensuality of Delilah. And so forsook his covenant with God to unite with this Delilah. That he broke his covenant with God and, and ended up seduced and defeated. You say, well, yeah, but then he came back. Yeah, he came back. But can you imagine if he never fell? The world is trying to creep into the church. The world is trying to creep into the church through sensuality, through, through lust. There, there is oftentimes more of the world in, a, in churches than there is church in the world. 
And it needs to change. Come on, somebody say, God bless America. God will bless America if His people will stand up. And their God-given, blood-bought right, begin to pray and fast and take action. Let's look at the text. I know you're encouraged already, aren't you? Praise the Lord. Let's look at the text. The Apostle Paul defines what a Christian is. Look at verse 14. I'm going to read this from the NIV. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. We're supposed to be compelled by the love of God. What brought you to church this morning? What brought you to church now the afternoon? What brought you to church? Was it, you said, well, God, it was God's love that moved you. You, you, you wanted to go. You, you look forward to Minister Alex singing those songs and especially that one extra fast one. Come on, you look forward to coming to church. You know, we don't do things because we, well, hopefully you don't do things just because you feel like it, right? An emotional Christian is a weak Christian. But we don't do things just because of feeling or emotion. Sometimes we feel good about what we're doing. Other times we're doing it. We know we don't feel too good about it, but it's the right thing, so you do it anyway, right? The love of God. Move and stir it in your heart by the Spirit of God to do something that's the right thing because you know it pleases God and you love God, and that's why you would do it. What it is to be a Christian, the Apostle Paul defines it. We're compelled by the love of God. Look at two. We no longer live for ourselves. Oh, Hold the phone, Batman. What? You don't no longer what? We no longer live for ourselves. It's not just about, it's not about you. It's not about me. You know, we live in a day and age when there's just so many selfish people. I'm sure I've topped the list at some point. How about you? How selfless were you this week? Come on, come on, look. supposed to live for Jesus. Verse 15. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. Our life is not supposed to be self-focused. It's supposed to be focused on him. I have found when I've ever begun to look at myself and begin to get so consumed with myself, I'm in trouble. You ever notice how uglier you get when you look at the mirror a lot? You ever notice that? You ever notice you're like, oh, you, you, know, you know what I'm talking about, right? You, you stare at yourself, it can't get depressing. Take your eyes off of yourself. As a believer, we're not supposed to live for ourselves. It's a miserable, selfish life we're supposed to live for God. And there were new creations, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, i got to tell you, I want to go back to verse 15. And he died for all that those who should live and no longer live for themselves, but, he, but for him who died for them and was raised to life. He, you see, I, I, when I first got saved, I, I hated myself. I did some things that were really, re, more than average bad. Maybe not as bad as you, and it certainly isn't a, 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 to see who was the worst. 
But I, I could not stand to talk to people. I did not like looking at myself in the mirror. I, I, I was so bothered to be in my own skin because I was ashamed. I was ashamed that I disgraced my family name. I was ashamed that I let my dad down, my mom down. I was ashamed that all the different things I had done, it was overwhelming. And so when I, I mean, I was overwhelmed with my sin. And so when I came to the Lord and I realized, I mean, I, I went to church a good portion of my life. But it never, the lights never went on. I was blinded. The God of His age blinded me. You know, people don't receive Jesus, don't live for Him because they don't really know. They're blind. And they're dead. And that was me. And even though I went to, went to church from time to time and grew up in Catholic church and then Presbyterian church before I became a pagan, before I became a Buddhist, before I got saved. It just never clicked. And I remember when it clicked. now can you hear me now presence of God's about to get thick in here when I realized wait wait a minute you mean you mean I don't I, I, don't, I don't have to die like 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 he took the shot for me yeah that's right I thought, wait, wait, wait. Okay, how, how, how is that? Yeah, God knew that you were, you were headed for death and He loved you so much that He stepped in front of a racing train and took the bullet, took the shot for you so you don't have to take it. And I thought, really? And all of a sudden, my heart began, my spirit began to stir and I began to realize that what I was being told was the truth. And I just thought, oh my God, that's an awesome deal. No, I, I, I knew my, the weight of my sin was, I mean, it wasn't just like an average thing. I mean, I, I really come from a, a deep, dark hole. I was raised in a good family and all that, but it all fell apart and then the enemy moved in. And, and so when somebody told me that you can be new, when somebody told me that you can leave the past behind, that you don't have to be the old guy, the guy that did those ashamed things, you can come to Jesus, receive Him, Believe in your heart, confess in your mouth, and He wipes away all of your sin, takes out the sin nature, and puts in His Spirit, and makes you alive, and the old is gone, and now you become a new man. You're a new man, and the old is gone. When I figured that out, I thought, oh my, sign me up! I mean, I ran to the front, I was like, yes, 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 I want that. The Apostle Paul is saying what a Christian is. We're new creation. A, a new creation. See, some of you don't believe it because you still have the stinking thinking engaged. You see, you're made new, but you have to change this, you ugly thing. Beauty is skin deep and ugly goes to the bone. 
And when we have ugly thinking, that's ugly and it causes us to get messed up. I used to just look myself, force myself to look myself in a mirror and say, you're a man of God. And my flesh would be like, no, you're not. Yes, you are. I mean, I'd have arguments with myself. God's called you to preach His Word. No, He hasn't. Yes, He has. I had to force this into my heart. The church is forgotten. There's identity crisis in the church. Most people don't know that they're new creations or what that even means. You are brand new. Once you receive Jesus, He takes out the heart of stone, He puts in the heart of flesh, and He makes you new. Now this has to be reprogrammed. You have to learn to take every thought captive and make it obedient. You can't let stinking thinking run your life. You are not what you eat. It will affect the way that you look. But the truth is, you are what you believe. The way that you believe is the way that you live. So you want to see somebody, you want to see the way somebody believes, the way they believe, you look at their life. Not in a judgmental way, but you can see the level of Christianity people have by how much they pray, how much they read their word, whether they go to church, ever. See, in America, people say, well, I'm a Christian, but they never go to church, they never read the Bible, they don't do the Word, and they don't pray. Yeah, that's why America's in trouble. Come on, somebody say, I'm a new creation. And the Apostle Paul goes on to define the job of a Christian. Christian. We have this ministry of reconciliation, verse 18. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us a ministry of reconciliation. Reckon what? Reconciliation. It's, the word means to wrap your arms around somebody who's violent and hostile, calm them down and bring them back into the family. It's a picture that somebody comes to somebody and, and brings peace and restores harmony in their life. He's given us this ministry of reconciliation. That's what we're supposed to do as Christians. We're supposed to not only be reconciled to God because of Jesus dying on the cross in our place, but we're supposed to bring others to reconciliation. You know, my daughter, I, my daughter has got the same birthday that I have, as I told you earlier. I really lost everything in my life. I just, you know, that's how where I had to get, I guess, before I really looked up and got broken. And so I gave my heart to the Lord. One of the first prophetic promises I got was Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you hope and a future. But it might have been at the same time, Joel 2, 25. I will restore, says the Lord, all the years the locusts have taken from you. And so I have watched God restore my life and... In the first service, and even now, I just get a little overwhelmed. I was, I was supposed to check out at about 23 years old. People wrote me off. I was a hopeless case. I was one of the hopeless ones. But there is no hopeless cases I know now. There's only people who've grown hopeless. The first service especially, I found myself on my knees weeping. Because somehow I made it to the ripe old age of 35 years old. 46. And I'm a young man. And very thankful. And so grateful. 
And the Lord has brought this ministry of reconciliation in my life. I've got just about. It's just a few things have yet to come. Just about every relationship I have had has been restored. Almost everyone. My health has been restored. Gosh, I don't even know if my wife knows this. I long time ago, you're hearing this, I think, for the first time. Love you. Awesome. Men forget stuff. And all the men said, help him. All right, good. But I was diagnosed with, uh, with a very damaged kidney and liver. And they just said, well, we don't know what's going to happen with that. All kinds of reports. They came to all my blood work. It was terrible. I had damaged them totally. Well, they got supernaturally healed. I didn't even know Jesus. God healed me. Come on, somebody. How many of you know he'll heal you? And when my daughter was born on my birthday, I was born 7166. She was born 7199. It was a supernatural sign from God saying, I'm restoring everything in your life. And it was just an awesome thing. We're called to not only be reconciled, but to be reconcilers, to be a people who have the ministry of reconciliation. I've reached out to people, reached out to my family. I heard a, a phone call. My brother called me, my brother Chris called me just before I was in the first service this morning to wish me happy birthday. And I've been praying for him, and he told me that he's been listening to my messages. And he listened to two sermons just last week, and his voice cracked, and he told me, you're really getting touched by the Lord. And so we sat there. I began to weep on the phone, and I said, man, Chris, I love you. He said, oh, dude, you're making me cry at work. (laughs) I said, oh. Ministry of Reconciliation. This is the job of the believer as the Apostle Paul defines it. Look at two, we are Christ's ambassadors declaring his message. Be reconciled to God. Verse 20, now then we're ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The Lord is speaking to us today. As a church, he's speaking to us, I believe, as a nation. As a church, the church is made of people, and for the church to stay strong, which obviously it has not, because our nation has slidden so far. Our nation has slidden so far because the church has not remained strong. But there's a church arising. Come on, somebody say amen. The church is people, and for the church to stay strong, God's people must be strong in their faith in Christ and devoted to live by God's Word. You've got to stay strong. We have to stay strong. You know, your life is more than just about your life. Your life, my life, is more than just about our lives. It's about all the lives that we'll touch if we remain strong, if we pray. If we stay steadfast, you'll encourage people. Paul and Silas in the midnight hour, they began to sing hymns. And there came this great earthquake. But if you look at that text in the book of Acts, you'll see that there were prisoners that were looking on to what was happening. I don't even think there were believers. They were just in the prison with them. But Paul and Silas, they didn't bellyache about their, 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 their chains. I mean, they were doing the ministry, ministry for God. We're, 
We're thinking, I mean, today it'd be like, oh God, I was serving you and now I'm in jail. I mean, come on. They counted it all joy, began to lift their voice. God came in with a three-part harmony. An earthquake took place. All the gates were blown open. And the chains of all the prisoners were thrown open. I am telling you that God has called us to be ambassadors. God has called us to carry the message of, of salvation and deliverance and healing. The kingdom of God. It's more than just about getting right with God. It's the kingdom of God has come. It's more than just about, just about having your sins forgiven. I don't want to make that trite. That's a big deal. But you've got, why are you still here? If it was just about getting saved, then you'd drop dead the second you prayed the prayer. Lord, forgive me of my sin. And you'd go over and then, you know, we'd have like a big burial business. But that's not the case. We, we receive the Lord, but we're still here. Is anybody here? Raise your hand if you're not here. We're, we're still here. The reason we're here is that there's a purpose for you. There's a purpose for me. There's a purpose for all of us together. That's right, I'm on the pews. There's a purpose for all of us Together, to do something, this nation has got to get turned around. It will get turned around by a bunch of people on fire for God who live for Him. Unashamed, unabashed, on fire. Come on. Devil smashing, tongue talking, Bible thumping, living for God. In a real way. Not in some religiosity. Come on, somebody say, I'm an ambassador. Come on, say it like you mean it. I'm an ambassador. All right. We've got to stay strong. We must keep winning the lost. It's central. We're here to make a difference. We've got to keep winning the lost. When's the last time you led somebody to Christ? Okay, I'm going to go encourage myself again. I'll be right back. Praise the Lord. Help me, Pastor. Help me. I'm getting convicted. When's the last time you gave, gave, led somebody to the Lord? You say, well, that's for the evangelist. I know some people have a gift of evangelism and maybe they can win others, you know, more efficiently or with greater anointing. But all of us, all of us are, are called to live. You know, um, St. Augustine said, the greatest message preached is the life lived. Now, I think it's a great mistake to live it and not say anything. My... I think it's my cousins were missionaries to China. And I remember meeting him, this great missionary during World War II, and told these stories about meeting the Lord and angels and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I mean, I remember at, at, at seven or eight years old listening to these stories, just going, whoa, I don't know God like that. You know, I mean, I just, I believed in God. But, but you know what? God rest his soul. He never told us. He never told us that you've got to repent of your sin, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. He never gave us the message. And you can live it out, yes, live it out, but by, by the, for the love of God, let it compel you to speak it too. And take action. Feed the poor, yes. And tell them why you're feeding them, why you're feeding them. And I believe in a social gospel, but it cannot just be social. Listen, listen, money is not going to fix America. You all know that, right? The financial problem in America is rooted in the fact that we have lost a generation to godlessness, fatherlessness. Homes have been destroyed. We have killed more babies than, than have been killed in Afghanistan by far. I mean, 
baby murdering, same-sex marrying. God, help America. God will help America and bless America if you and I stand up and do our part. That, well, the church is just get it. You are the church for the love of God. You are the church. You're the church. I'm the church. We're the church. I think we should feed those people great. We should make you the department head. Let's get feeding them. Let's gather some people. You know, sometimes we just want to point the finger at somebody. Well, if President Obama would just... He is a product of our nation. Lord, bless and touch President Obama even now. Amen. I heard it on, on good authority that he, that he loves the Lord. Some of you are like, what? Yeah, he just doesn't love the Lord like you or I. And I'm not trying to crack a joke. He just doesn't believe like you or I. I'm telling you, God's got people in the White House. Don't you think for one second he doesn't? He's got chaplains here and there. There are people that are situated in places that I'm going to tell you. All right. Got to win the lost. I'm going to give you a simple program how to do that here in just a moment. Don't forget who we are. Don't forget what? Who we are. Know who you are. The Lord spoke to me a number of years ago. Who I am and who you are in me, son, changes everything. You've got to know who you are. You're not your education or the clothes that you're wearing. Your good looks or, by your opinion, the lack of them. There's so much self-hatred going on. People bow before the mirror and agree with the devil about how ugly they are. There's so much of that in this, in this generation that they, that they're, that they become cutters, mutilators of their flesh. They're so broken. They need God. This, this youth, your youth, they need God. We need God. We, we need it for real. America will be blessed if the church arises and you arise. You gotta know who you are. Come on, if you lost all your money, would you, would you still be alright? Who's your source? As a church, we must keep winning the lost. We must never forget who we are. Look at D. Don't forget the job that we have to do, reconciling God to people, reconciling people. We can be strong and influence the world. So I, I, I want to share this, and I hope you hear it from the heart that, I, that, it, that it comes from, because I'm, I'm just as amazed as anybody else. You know, somehow, we've had some high-ranking military people come through our church, and they got touched by God, and somehow we developed a friendship with them. And, and so we end up in these military deployment services and end up in, in these memorial services where I'm sitting next to the governor, Sitting next to people, I'm just, I, I, I went to your one this last week. You need to hear. You need to hear me. I don't know how it happened. You know, at times I'd pinch myself. I remember asking Doctor Morocco, who's the one who released me in ministry. I remember leaning over to him and said, "Are you Are you sure you didn't make it? You got the right guy, right?" Oh, you're gonna do great, Daniel. Okay. <laughs> and so I find myself pinching myself. So these. People that have tremendous influence. I'm sitting all around them this last week. And I'm just going, how did this happen? I, I don't really know. 
happen to be at the right place and not really care. I mean care for people, but not really care after that. I don't care. You're called to be strong and to influence this nation, to influence where you are. Everyone here has a sphere of influence. In school, if you're a professor, if you're a hair, a hair artist, a plumber, a contractor. We've, we've, we've made it to be that the ministry is some guy who stands up here with a suit and a tie on. That's a bunch of bunk. Ministries, everyone's got the ministry of reconciliation. Come on, somebody say everyone. Everyone has got it. Everyone. So no matter what you do, if you're a teacher or, or a, 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 a plumber or a carpenter or a contractor, or if you're in the military, or you're in the government, or if you're a student, if you're seven, eight, nine, ten years old, everybody can be used by God. And when you get off of purpose, and you fall asleep in the arms of the enemy, and you miss out on these divine opportunities to be strong and bring influence wherever you are, whatever sphere you have, Fred Meyer. Man, I might preach in a second. There was a, there was a lady, there was a lady in Korea, she sold ice cream. Korea? I've forgotten the nation. But she just sold ice cream outside of the capital. And every time she gave somebody an ice cream cone, she would witness to them, if she could. And this, this high-ranking political man came through, got an ice cream cone, and she stopped him. And she told him about the love of God and led him to Christ. He was so convicted and got so totally saved that he went back up to his office, gave away all kinds of money that he embezzled and took, and turned the, and, and turned the thing around. I don't think it was Korea. I've forgotten. It's a, it's a smaller Asian country. I've forgotten what country it was. There was a, there was a, a man who was a taxi driver. A friend of ours gets in the taxi... And the man says to him, turns around and says, You are a preacher. I need you to give me 15-minute message. And when you're done with 15-minute message, I need a half-an-hour message. Right now. Ready, go. And he says, Well, what are you talking about? He's driving 45 minutes to the airport. You give me English message. 15 minutes and half-an-hour message. He gets two messages, a 15-minute salvation message and a, a half-an-hour message. And the guy, when he finished, handed him the tape. The, ta- the taxi driver pulls up this gigantic crate of tapes and puts the English one in. And he had nearly every single language of the face of the earth. And every time somebody would get in in that international city, he would pull a tape off, plug it in, and let, the per- and let that tape preach to that person. People would get saved. It doesn't matter what you do. You can lead people to Christ. You can get people saved. You have a ministry of reconciliation. Can you say amen? We can make a difference. We can influence the world one by one. How many of you could talk to somebody? I mean, really. If your life depended on it, you could talk to somebody this week about Jesus. Come on. If your life depended on it, you had to do it. Don't make me come and raise your hand. You know, you know where liars go. Come on. Now, the reason we don't share our faith is, one, we'd, our identity is messed up because we're going to get rejected by somebody and we're scared that we're going to get hurt. See, you've got to get to a place where you don't really care. Get to a place where your identity is in God and you care more about what He thinks than anybody else. And remember this statistic. There's only two or three people that like you anyway. 
It's number one. Number two, we don't really believe that people are going to hell. Because if we really believe that there was a hell, then we, would, uh, we wouldn't walk by people. How many of you are going to reach out to somebody this week? Come on. See, this is how a nation, this is how America can turn around. One by one, we get people touched, we get people saved, we disciple them, we care for them like they're newborn babies. The Apostle Paul said, Am I again in the birth pains until Christ is formed in you? Last time you led somebody to Jesus, did you weep and go into birth pains until they were discipled and strong in God? I'm so convicted on that one. Jesus, help me. That's the Apostle Paul talking to the Galatians. He says he's in birth pains until these, these people are strong in God. Wow. Each one win one. Pray for people. Everybody say pray for someone. Pray for people. Prayer makes all the difference. Prayer makes all the difference. And for the sake of time, I'm going to move on. But I will tell you that prayer moves the hand of God. His right hand, the psalmist said, spans the universe. One preacher said, prayer moves its slender muscles that move the hand of omnipotence. When you pray, God moves. I want to tell you that you're here because somebody prayed for you. I'm here for sure because I had a praying mama. Praying wife. Still here because he's got a praying church. You all praying for us, right? Share your faith with others. Everybody say, share your faith. All right, let me give you some scriptures. This is a Roman roads, and I'm a Roman road, and I'm going to close. Would you come, please? Roman road. How many of you heard of the Roman road? All right. This is classic. The Roman road. Here it is. Romans 3.23. Everybody say it. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, everybody's messed up. All right? We're all crackpots. Right? Okay. The second stop on the Romans road will be six Romans 6.23. Say it. Romans 6.23. Some of you should write these down. We're going to have a card printed. We'll put it out at the eye desk. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is? But the gift of God is? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our, our Lord. The third stop on the Romans road is Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And last, Romans 10.9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Look, you could just keep that one. You could just use that one. Just use Romans 10.9. Memorize it. Write it on a card. Be bold. You know, people that look hard-hearted, those are the ones usually that are closest to the Lord. That's what I found. There was some foolish book that came out about categorizing people and how close they are to God. And so the ones that are all like nice and sweet, those are the ones that are closest. And the ones that are all really ugly with needles hanging out their arms, those are the ones that are really... It's totally not true. You don't know. And I have to say, in sharing your faith with others, share your testimony. How many of you got? Come on, God's done something for you. All right. Our nation's in great peril because the church fell asleep. So I say, wake up, America. God will bless America. I think we're still holding it together because we still send more missionaries. 
Oh, God, help us. All right, how many of you want to be used by God to share your faith? All right, I, you might be scared. You're not going to know how to do it, whatever. I'm of you. Say, I'm, all right, I'm going to pray for you. Let's, come on, let's pray for each other right now that God will help us to share our faith this week. This week. All right? Gracious Heavenly Father, we ask that you would quicken us. You would help us to study your word to get our identity right. We'd not be moved by the opinions of people. That you would release even a boldness upon us to share our faith, to share our testimony, even the Romans road, to boldly declare the love of God, to be your ambassador, to be your ministers of reconciliation. Lord, in our workplace at an appropriate time, Fred Myers at Walmart, Lord, when we're combat fishing maybe, everywhere that we go, to our family members, and that we would live it, but we would also declare it. Give us a grace, Lord, an anointing and a burden for souls to see that happen. Jesus' name. Now, how many of you got family members you want to see saved? You got family members you want to see saved? Let's pray for them right now. Lord, save our families. Save our families. Set them free. Break every chain of bondage. Jesus' name. You know, I, I, I gotta I gotta share this. We're gonna take communion in just a moment, but first Sunday we do that. I have to share this story. I believe in an offensive Christianity. I I'm not uh, I was never a defensive I'm not a defensive driver. I'm offensive. Defensive when I need to be. I believe in an offensive Christianity. Let me tell you what that what I mean by that. If the devil touches my house, I'm gonna beat his. And I, I'm not, we believe in divine protection. You don't need to hear me rightly. The, the devil's defeated because of what Jesus has done. But if the enemy if the enemy comes against me, he'll be fleeing seven ways. I've I've taken the hit. To him, in other words, we would go under these attacks of physical attacks and migraines and different things. And it, when that would happen, I'd just go witness. I made this deal. I just played this game with God. As soon as I began to feel overwhelmed with darkness or something, I'd go win somebody to Jesus. You know, it was not very shortly after that I never got bothered. You know, it changed. It just changed. I remember my wife was having these ocular migraines. You don't even get them anymore. They're gone having these ocular migraines and they were really serious how many ever had migraines you know what I'm talking about and so we, we made a deal next time we have this next time she has that that, that I'm just going to win somebody to Jesus so we're driving into the airports before TSA and you could park on the curb and all that remember that way back in the day she got this ocular migraine and we're driving I'm praying I'm pulling up to the airport I had to pick up some package that was getting delivered across the counter if I remember correctly and I pulled up and he's like, oh, the headache. I mean, it's just like, and I realized, oh, yeah, I'm going to get somebody saved. So I left, I left the, my car. I went into the airport. And I, was just, I looked. I just looked for somebody to just sort of pop. And that was going to be the person. I said, where is him? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? I'm looking. I'm looking. And I see this guy all the way in the back, security officer. And he, we, our eyes meet. And I was all. 
I came running up to the guy. The guy backed all the way up to the wall. In other words, as I was coming to him, he's like, he starts backing up. And then he hits the wall and he doesn't, he doesn't know what's going to happen. I come right up to him and I'm like, I wasn't even having compassion to get the guy saved. I was into just getting the enemy off my wife and doing offensive Christianity. I mean, my heart wasn't really in the right place. I was like, what's up? He's all, I'm like, I just want to tell you that Jesus really loves you. He's got a plan for your life. He died on a cross and rose again from the grave. Did you know that? I'm a Catholic. That's what he said. How many of you heard that? I'm a Catholic. I said, yeah, awesome. Have you ever received Jesus? I'm a Catholic. <laughs> the guy didn't get saved. He didn't run and lead him to the Lord or anything. But I felt like I was done. And I moved back. Head and gone. Come on, get Add this to the arsenal of your walk with God. I know some of you fast, some of you pray, you give, you do all those things. Add this. Start winning souls. Be a soul winner. Reach out. America needs a mighty revival. And it will come by God's people standing up and declaring that He is the King, that He is the Lord, that there is no one that satisfies besides Him, that He is the one that's enthroned. He is the one that made America great. And God will bless America if the church rises up again. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet. Give your hand clap to the Lord. Hallelujah! Come on, somebody say, God bless America. God bless America. One more time. Put it together for the Lord. God. Thank you, Jesus. Ushers are going to come, please. And from the back row, if you would, we're going to receive communion. It's an open communion. That means anybody can take communion if you so choose. And uh, they're coming. If you begin to come from that back row and just kind of come out and around, and, and then we'll, we'll rec- receive it, and then we'll take communion all together.
Aleluia. God will bless America as we live for Him. night that Jesus was betrayed. He took the bread and he broke it and he took the cup and he blessed it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we're remembering that your body was broken for our deliverance and for our healing. It was by your stripes that we're healed. And your blood was shed for our sin for without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness you're the lamb that was slain before the beginnings of the foundations of the earth we stand in awe of who you are and your great plan of global salvation that you've chosen the likes of us that while we were yet sinners you died for us and rose again from the grave you made us to be new creatures new creations chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation. So before you we stand and we ask God that you would forgive us for where we've fallen short. Come on, ask God to forgive you. Wrong thoughts and motives. Forgive us, God. As it says in your word, the lust of the eyes or the pride of life. Selfishness. Forgive us for apathy, God. Lethargy and prayerlessness. Wash us, God, we ask. Cleanse us now. Bring deliverance to those that are bound. Break every chain. Break every bondage. Addiction. Anxiety and depression. Liberate your people to walk in newness of life, to be ambassadors, to be ministers of reconciliation. We thank you and we praise you for all that you've done. You made a way out of no way. We love you, Lord. We worship you now. We receive your forgiveness and your healing. As we eat and drink together. Amen. Go right ahead. The curse of sin is broken. Did you get something from God today? You get encouraged? Come on, somebody say, God bless America.
Let's close in prayer this morning. Just go ahead and reach across the aisle. Take someone by the hand there. I know some of you that cup cracking thing has become tradition here. But you don't have to crack your cup if you don't want to. All right? Father, thank you for what you did this morning in our lives and what you're going to do even tonight at our 6 o'clock service. And this week I pray for divine appointments for your people and divine appointments for our family members. And as we reach to bring the love of God, as we are compelled by your love to, to bring the gospel message of reconciliation to people, give us a holy boldness. Use us. To bring healing to people. Restoration of life. Healing between relationships. We thank you. And we praise you. For our great nation. And Lord bless your people. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus precious name. Amen. God bless you. We hope to see you tonight. Six o'clock service. Tuesday, Holy Ghost night at 7.30. God bless you.